So I did center my application around politics, but I did not know I wanted to go into politics until I started working for the city. So since I come from like an immigrant background, my parents really wanted me to be a doctor. So I spent like half of high school, like going to like doctor camp and like thinking I was going to be pre-med, even though I was bad at science, but just figured it would work out. Yeah, I'm really glad that I've like moved past that stage in life. Hey, college kids, welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's interview, I'll interview, I'll be interviewing Linda. So could you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Linda. I use sheer pronouns and I'm from Seattle, Washington. I'm currently a first year at Pomona College intending to major in politics. So we'll get to college. How is a little bit different for you a little bit later, but let's go to high school. So what were your expectations in terms of higher education? Were you striving for higher education in prestigious colleges or were you more on the side of like, I'm not really looking for selectivity in the college or prestige? Yeah, so I'm a first-generation low-income student, so that means I'm the first in my family to go to college, and I had a lot of financial barriers that made the college process and just understanding what made me a competitive applicant super inaccessible for me. So um, luckily, I was able to access a lot of awesome programs, um, such as the Upward Bound Trio program, to help me understand how I should prepare myself for college, but I was never thinking about going to a school like Pomona. I was thinking of trying to get to a four-year university period, and it wasn't until I got into a program my junior yield called Questbridge that really broadened my horizons and made me understand oh shoot like I'm totally like qualified to apply to these top 20 institutions and that's when I started to look at schools that were highly selective. So with like first generation low income a lot of college apps is just having resources and having knowledge about the process and for first generation low income you don't have those resources you don't have like anybody to guide you whereas like In private schools or elite public schools, they have the people to tell them, you know, freshman year do this, sophomore year, da 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 da. So coming into high school, did you have anybody to like tell you, like, this is what you need if you want to get into college? This is what you should start on if you want to have an impressive application? Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Luckily for me, I was able to access various resources because even though I went to a public high school, um, I was able to be enrolled in like an advanced placement program in middle school. Mm -hmm. So that really like opened the door for me to be able to look at more resources once I entered high school. So like I said before, I was able to access like a college preparation program and I got into that as early as the summer before freshman year. So That program was to help me get into a four-year college, but it wasn't exactly dedicated to helping me get into a selective top 20 school like Pomona. Um, So I guess in short, like I'm one of the lucky ones that I had that network, but for a lot of my peers, especially those I grew up around, they did not have the same access to those programs. And um, that definitely impacted like where they're going to school now. Yeah. Wait, can you tell us about this program that you, I guess, got accepted into before freshman year? Because you said you did Questbridge junior year, but what was that program before freshman year? Yeah, so that program's called Upward Bound. Um, There's different chapters throughout the United States, I believe, and... um, That basically is like a federally funded or either federally or locally funded program through the government um, and just basically provides low income students with counselors and 
throughout the course of the program, I was able to like go on various college tours, even to California um, and totally paid for. And they also provided like tutoring services and like um, guidance with filling out things like the FAFSA and accessing like fee waivers for the ACT and SAT. Basically, it was like a great resource for me to know like what I needed to apply for college, like what um, I guess requirements they wanted, like standardized tests and teacher recommendations. And they were just really like um, a lot of students who've had parents to go to college before their parents were the ones to walk them through the process. But for me, my parents didn't go to college. So it was that program that was Mm -hmm. the support for me and my um, applications. And that's interesting. How did you find out about that program? Was it something your school offered? Yeah. So my mom was the one who found out about it because um, it targets first generation low income students. So she heard about it and enrolled me. Um, But also they have a great network like um, and they're able to reach a lot of students in my school. So for those who didn't have their parents to guide them into the program, like mine did, um, they like they did a lot of awesome outreach to um, to recruit students. And coming into high school, did you have were you a top basically, I guess, because a top student, a straight A student who always you know took the most rigorous courses, always achieved like basically A's in high school? Yeah. So although I did get pretty good grades, a lot of people um, in my cohort at Pomona were top of their class valedictorians. I was in the 25 percentile of my class. And um, even though that's still really good, but I wasn't like um, ranked number one, like a lot of my peers in my classes at Pomona. So I just want to say that even though Pomona may look very competitive, or it is very competitive, but all of the numbers may be really intimidating online, Pomona really prides itself in holistic um, applications or holistic reviews of their applications. So it's not, you can't get into Pomona just on the basis of a perfect score or mm-hmm. a perfect Um, It's really based on what story you're able to tell about yourself and whether you're very passionate about different things. And in terms of, we'll go through like GPA, SAT, ACT, and APs, honors, IBs, before we go on to other stuff like extracurriculars. So GPA, what was your unweighted and weighted GPA at the end of high school? And can you give us a scale? Because every school does it differently. Yeah. So my school is on the 4.0 scale. We did not do weighted GPA. Um, So my unweighted GPA was a 3.85. 0.85. And how many APs, honors, IBs, whatever your school offered, how many did you take throughout high school? Yeah. So I think that my school offered, um, I I counted like while I was in high school, but I'm pretty sure they offer about 20 AP classes and I took 11. Um, So I did take um, a really rigorous course load in high school. And I have one question I'm curious about. So you said your initial goal was not to get into a prestigious university or like elite private. And these elite private prestigious universities don't like accept AP credits, IB credits, whatever it is. So with taking a lot of classes, it looks good on college application. But did you ever have the intention of taking credits and transferring them over to the university or college you attended? Were you hoping to get some college credit for those? Yeah. So when I was taking AP classes, I was doing it, like you said, to look competitive on my transcript. It wasn't for credits. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew that was an option at some schools, but um, I didn't know enough about colleges to know which classes or which AP classes they took for credit. And at Pomona, they only take two. So it worked out Mm -hmm. for me in the long run because I didn't take a lot of the tests. I just took the classes um, and I was able to transfer like two of my highest scores to Pomona, but they don't accept any more than two. Mm -hmm. Oh, so it's just like two standard classes that they accept and that's it? Yeah. And at some institutions, they'll use AP credit to get out of like an intro course or stuff. But at Pomona, we don't have those type of prerequisites. We have area requirements where you have to take a class in a certain subject. 
So just because you have like an AP credit waiving a certain class doesn't mean you won't be taking um, a course in that subject, if that makes sense. So it's not mm-hmm. really like uh, like give all, take all like other schools where you can just waive like intro to chem with an AP chem score. Mm, okay. Okay. So let's move on to SAT, ACT. So which one did you take? I took both. So I really struggled with the SAT. All of my peers were taking one and it did not like, I'm more like um, humanities in college is why I go to liberal arts college. So math is not my strong suit. And I like got the same score with every SAT. I even took a class that did not help, but I ended up switching and taking the ACT once and I got a pretty good score. So that's what I sent to my colleges, but the SAT really kicked my butt for like sophomore and junior year. I just could not get any better. Mm-hmm. And then ACT score, you said you took it once. So what did you get on that? I got a 32, which is, I think, the lower range at Pomona. I think Pomona is 32 to 35 for our average. Oh, but you got 32 on your first try. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I think the ACT just better, like, a, better equip my learning style and it had the science component. So I think that helped round up my average. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happened. And I kind of went too fast here, but what preparations did you do for... SAT prep and then eventually ACT prep did the program that you were that you were part of offer like any resources for that yeah they did so they definitely offered like um like classes over break so like over spring break I took like a class I think my sophomore year um and they gave me like a free prep book so I took all the tests in that book for the SAT and then I took a class my junior year um basically just going over the problems and taking a lot of practice tests um, they didn't really help at all. Like it was really just my learning style. It wasn't me, but for a while I was really convinced like, Ugh, like I'm like not smart enough to do this. I keep getting the same score after all this practice and it was really frustrating. Um, but then with the ACT, I took one practice test cause I wanted to see like how I would do. I, I got a 32 on my first try. So I was like, nice. I studied a lot. I got another book and, um, there's, there's free SAT and ACT practice on Khan Academy, ACT might be on a different platform. I can't remember, but there's free tests out there. And that's what I did. And then I ended up getting the same score I got on my practice test on the real one. So I'm not sure if my preparation helped at all because it didn't get any better. But I think I was just lucky that um, I was able to do well on the test. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And before we jump into extracurriculars, actual application and stuff, you did say the program you were part of flew you out to some colleges, gave you the opportunity to do that. So when did you start flying out to colleges and, you know, touring them and starting to create your college list? Yeah. So um, the program I mentioned earlier, they took me on a lot of various like college tours, like in my state. I'm from Washington. So I saw a bunch of state schools, but I started thinking about not going to school in state when they took me to Northern California. We toured schools like Stanford and Berkeley. Um, I can't afford UC tuition, but it was cool to like look around and see my options and see that I, oh, I could like um, go to a school out of state. Um, and then by the time senior year rolled around, I was able to apply to opportunities called fly-in programs. And that was when I was able to look at, um, schools that actually like I could afford that would be able to give me a good financial aid package. So I toured like five schools through fly-in programs and fly-in programs are basically, um, overnight diversity programs where they, um, I guess like sponsor first-generation low-income students and students of color, um, to go see their campus and see if they'd be a good fit for their school. And, and was Pom- was Pomona one of those colleges? Um, I got rejected from Pomona's program, so I didn't get to go to Pomona, but a bunch of my peers went to Pomona's diversity program and they loved it. Mm-hmm. Wait, so they rejected you and you still applied? 
Yeah, well, the fly-in program isn't like, um, it doesn't determine whether you get into the school. Um, mm-hmm. It like is just um, an indicator of whether you'd be a good fit for the school. So even though I got rejected from Pomona's fly-in program, it didn't sway me from applying to the school because I was like, okay, like they didn't like me enough to fly me up for free, but hopefully they'll like me enough to go to their school. And they did. Mm-hmm. So it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And I want to get to your college list and you know how you officially picked a little later, but let's go to extracurriculars. So take me through the extracurriculars you did in high school. You know, when did you start them? What were they? And then for college app purposes, what position did you hold in them? Yeah, so I did do a lot of extracurriculars like um, throughout high school, so many that I couldn't fit them on like the 10 options on the Common App. So the beginning of freshman year, I started working with like various like social justice organizations in my area. So I gained leadership roles like um, in those various programs. And then at school, I was a part of a lot of different clubs. I'm trying to like, it's been so long, but I guess like at school, I was my senior year, I was president of like DECA, which is like the business organization um, and National Honor Society and Vietnamese Student Association. Um, I was also captain of the gymnastics team and I was on student government. Um, And then outside of school, I did a bunch, I continued my work with like various organizations and I also started working for my city government. So I served on like the mayor's youth council um, so yeah, I did have like a big variety of extracurriculars that show, so I majoring in politics. So the fact that working in my city government at 16 showed that I was pretty competitive and really passionate about politics. So I think that definitely drove my application, but, um, there's also students here who like didn't do much in high school. Like school was like their number one priority. So just because I did a bunch of things in high school doesn't mean that everyone at Pomona did too. Mm-hmm. That was just my experience. Okay, so I want to get into a little bit of a deeper dive into your extracurriculars, like each one. So you did say you were part of the youth council for your mayor in your city. So can you tell me, well, how did you find out about like being on the youth council for your mayor in your city? Like, how did you come upon that? And then what did you do in that position? Yeah, so... um one door leads to another. One of the programs I worked with at the beginning of high school, they told me that there was this opportunity with the mayor that would really fit my interests. So I applied. Um, And without that previous organization that I was a part of, I never would have heard about the opportunity. So it's really like wild to think about how like past connections lead up to like future opportunities. Um, But yeah, that's how I heard about the opportunity. And what we did, we basically served as like a mini youth city council where we would like advise on various policies affecting youth and like talk to various employees within like the city like government. Um, And I used that connection to further work into the department of early education and learning in the city of Seattle, where I was able to like sit on a panel to dictate what community-based organizations or schools should receive a certain um, like certain funding from a certain levy tax. Um, But basically the opportunity in itself was just to be connected to city legislature and connect youth to the city legislature. Oh, okay. So let's go back to the organization that led you to um, city council. So can you tell us about the organizations that you were in and how long, like when did you start being part of some of those organizations outside of school? 
Yeah. So colleges definitely emphasize, um, or not emphasize, but they really value when a student has been in a certain organization or extracurricular for a long period of time. So the organization that led me to the mayor's youth council was um, the social justice nonprofit that I've been a part of since my freshman year. Um, They basically like served low income students of color and took them on like snowboarding trips and outdoor adventures, um, like camping or um, surfing, um, and also paired their programming with social justice workshops shops, um, like understanding systemic racism and poverty, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was one of the organizations I was a part of in high school. Um, I also did some work with um, another local program that basically is an immersion trip to Guatemala. So they paired social justice with like the, um, the global aspect. Um, so that's another thing that I did. And I also worked with um, a, an outdoor organization where it was student led. And we basically led a bunch of like camping outdoor trips for students. And it was primarily students at my high school, but it was technically unaffiliated with my high school. So three very different things I did, but um, those all definitely strengthened my application. They were all things that I um, spent over two years in each um, program. So that really showed like my dedication, I guess. And in those programs, were you, did you like climb yourself up to a leadership position or secretary, treasurer, whatever positions there are? Did you climb yourself up or were you just a member in those organizations? Yeah. So for the Guatemala organization, I was not part of leadership. I just did the immersion trip and then left at the program. Um, But with the other two, with the outdoor organization, I was on the executive board um, or the executive committee. And um, with the snowboarding social justice program that showed me to the mayor's youth council, there was um, once you graduate your first year of the program, you can apply to be a peer leader, which basically they run the programming and they organize the workshops and they act as like a mentor for other students. Um, so that's what I did. Yeah. So with the, with the two out of the three programs, I did pursue leadership roles, but then for the Guatemala one, I just went on the trip and then left. Mm -hmm. And then for the city council, you were on like a panel. So it was you and uh, other youth leaders and you guys Mm -hmm. would like talk about issues with the mayor and his like legislation team. Yeah, so we unfortunately did not get a visit from the mayor. She like appointed us, but um, she didn't really contact us. We were really only talking to like her employees and other employees in the different branches of the city government. I mean, that sounds incredible. How okay, you this is a lot outside of school, and then you did a bunch of stuff inside of school. Yeah, first, I want to ask when you, you and you what you said is correct. Like, as I've been interviewing people, I've come to like realization colleges put emphasis on dedication, passion, yeah. like how long you did your extracurricular for. So did you just happen to do your extracurriculars for a long time or did somebody like a mentor or somebody in that program you were part of tell you about this, like colleges like to see this, this, and this? Yeah. So I stayed with my extracurriculars because I was passionate about them and I found community in them. Um, I think a lot of students who like think about college too early and like focus on trying to check off boxes on their application really lose like the human like connections in those extracurriculars, which like will show when you write about them in your application. So yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't stay with those organizations because colleges would like that. I stayed because I was passionate about them and they showed, they led me to like what I wanted to do later in life, which is to pursue politics. And did you know from a young age you wanted to be in politics? Like, is that how you, was that what you centered your application around? So I did center my application around politics, but I did not know I wanted to go into politics until I started working for the city. So since I come from like an immigrant background, my parents really wanted me to be a doctor. So I spent like 
half of high school, like going to like doctor camp and like thinking I was going to be pre-med, even though I was bad at science, we just figured it would work out. Yeah. I'm really glad that I've like moved past that stage in life, but yeah, no, I did not think politics was a viable option for me, especially because um, it doesn't guarantee money. But if you go to like medical school, it's kind of a a dead giveaway. You're going to be a doctor and make money. Um, So yeah, no, I didn't know that I was going to go into politics, but once I did, that is what my application was centered around. Um, I completely understand. Doctor, lawyer, engineer is your options right there. The pressure. <laughs> okay, so extracurriculars. We've kind of, we've kind of done a wrap up of your extracurriculars outside of school, and then oh, actually one thing. One. So a lot of kids don't realize they can branch out of high school. It's number one, they don't even know where to look. So what advice would you give for students who want to look beyond high school? Because you know, the, you look at the list of clubs your school offers. And you don't like much of them and you're thinking, what can I do outside of high school? So what advice would you give for students like that? Where to look, you know, how to find your passion? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I would say think about like, so volunteering is also a huge aspect of college applications. So think about like what you're passionate about, like who you want to help impact in your community. Like, for example, if you want to help like your low income working class members of your community, you can look at where to volunteer for soup kitchens or food banks, et cetera, et cetera. Those are pretty generic volunteer opportunities. But once you get involved with one thing, one door leads to another and you'll find other opportunities and other leadership positions. So I would just say start with what you know you like. It could be like with animals too. You want to volunteer at your like um, local veterinarian clinic. Um, just start small and then you'll find more opportunities later on once you begin to work in a single sector. Okay, so let's move on to extracurriculars inside of school. You listed president of a bunch of things. Let's start, I think it was DECA, right? You, so you were mm-hmm. president of DECA. Tell me, when did you join the club and what was your responsibility? And then how did you eventually climb yourself up to president? Yeah, so I took marketing my sophomore year of high school, um, and my teacher told me about DECA, um, and I decided, oh, that sounds really cool. So DECA at my school was different than other schools. We didn't go to competitions or anything, Um, so we basically were focusing on promoting financial literacy within our school and like sharing the material in the classes to students who like couldn't take the class because they didn't have enough um, like their schedules are too full or they couldn't spare the credits or things like that. So um, I really like enjoyed the work because as a low income student, I knew how inaccessible financial literacy is. Um, so basically like the other organizations outside of school, I, I was really passionate about that extracurricular. And by the time that like the years went on, I like ran for various positions and people saw how passionate and motivated I was in the club. So that just helped me get elected and and move up. So like sophomore year, I think I became secretary and then junior year, vice president, senior year president. And actually you brought up a point I want to quickly discuss. So you said you were fortunate to have programs and mentors to help you through the college application process. But you said many of your peers didn't have those programs and you saw how it affected their chances. Can you talk about that? How, you know, where they are right now with college, university, and compared to where you are because you had access to those mentors, those programs? Right. Yeah. So, so fortunately for a lot of my peers, like, even though they didn't have the certain program that I was in, they still were able to go to college, be the first in their family to go to college, regardless of whether it was a four-year institution or a two-year institution. So um, we all made it luckily and we're all pursuing higher education, but noticing like the disparities between like the peers in my AP classes and the peers that I like that were my neighbors, I noticed that like a lot 
the, the majority of the peers who were taking AP classes and they had a lot of extracurriculars, like had the time, the luxury and like the, I guess they were able to, to take on that workload um, versus me. I had to take on the workload plus work a full-time job. And then for a lot of my low-income peers, like that's not feasible to work a job and take five AP classes um, on top of extracurriculars. So I guess I would say like, um, I think that shows how like the peers that were around me that took the same classes as me, we were able to go to like top 20 schools versus like my peers who didn't take those classes, didn't have those extracurriculars. Like they go to community colleges or in-state schools, which is perfectly fine. Those are amazing institutions and they literally beat the odds because they're the first in their family to go to college and they had so limited access to resources. But I think that shows how like more elite schools are unattainable for those students because they have so much more to worry about. I hope that answered your question. No, I'm not that- sure if it did. I mean, that, that was perfect. And you said you had a full-time job during high school? Yeah. So I worked at a restaurant for junior and senior year. Yeah. Okay. We'll definitely get to that too, because we'll definitely get to that. But let's finish up with school. So Deca, you did say you climbed yourself up to president. What other clubs were you president of? Yeah. So the two other clubs I was president of was National Honor Society and Vietnamese Student Association. And for those who are in National Honor Society, um, they know that at least for my school, it wasn't super high commitment. We basically did a couple of service events every month. um, And it was like a super big club. So it wasn't very like um, community based or anything. But that that was like pretty feasible to gain a leadership role in because a lot of people were doing it to look good on their college applications. They didn't actually care about the service events we were doing. So I kind of just stepped up and decided I wanted to take initiative myself and and better the club and in taking a leadership position. Okay. And for the Vietnamese Student Association, how did you, did you find that club or was it already existing in your school? Yeah, it was luckily already existing at my school, but it was pretty like low membership and like wasn't super active. So I saw another opportunity for me to take initiative and try to, I guess, like revitalize the club by being like um, president and being able to dictate what events we were going to run and how to fundraise, et cetera. So you did have, you had quite a few leadership positions in high school. That's a lot. (laughs) So let's move on to one more thing. I consider jobs extracurriculars. I mean, I had a job before COVID and I definitely Mm -hmm. consider it extracurricular. It is time commitment. So can you tell me about your job as a junior senior? So you did say you work at a restaurant. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I worked a bunch of like small jobs, like before I turned 16, like I did tutoring um, and I did like various like summer programs that gave me stipends. But um, when I turned 16, I was like, I need to start looking for a job. And it was super hard. I like didn't have a lot of time. And it wasn't until one of my friends in National Art Society, she was like, hey, like I'm I'm graduating. So I need someone to replace me at my restaurant job. You seem like a great fit. Like, do you want to work there? I was like, yes, I've been looking for a job for ages. So that's how I got hired. I basically was a hostess. So um, I just like greeted guests and then I would seat them. Um, And working in a restaurant is definitely really humbling because people are really mean to service workers. But um, and also it was really hard to balance with like sports because and school because I would just go to school and then like run to my job literally right after and then go home and like repeat. So it was definitely really strenuous, but it was like something that I had to do as like a low income student to support my family. You did sports as well? Yeah, I would do like morning practice and then school and then work. It was a lot. (laughs) Oh my, oh my God. So 
can you walk us through like a typical day in high school for you? What, what did that look like? I mean, you just, I know sports are like season by season, but it's still a job. When you got to junior, senior, you had all these like organizations and clubs, you had sports and you had a job. So can you take us through a typical day? Yeah. So I wouldn't have morning practice. And so my work schedule was nice because I worked like every other day. So Monday I would wake up, go to morning practice, school, work, and then go home. Then on Tuesday I get a break. So I go to school. I don't have morning practice and then I don't have work so I can go to practice after school. So um, gymnastics was nice because it had the option to go to morning practice or after school practice um, because my high school didn't have like um, a gym. So we had to go to the the nearest high school to practice at their gym. So there's a lot of different options. So it really worked with my schedule. So it wasn't every day that I was like um, going to practice school and then work. It was like every other day. And then I worked weekends too. So it was definitely like a hustle, but I was able to like get some breathing time in between. And I did a lot of my homework at school. Oh my gosh, that sounds, the balancing, the workload, that's amazing that you could do that. <laughs> okay, so any other major extracurriculars we should talk about? Um, I guess the two that I haven't explained thoroughly were, was my role in the gymnastics team and the student government. So being a captain is pretty self-explanatory. Like um, I basically like led fundraising events and I was like the hype person for the team. Um, and since there weren't very many like juniors or seniors so like my seniority helped me get elected as captain and then with student government um I did student government my senior year only because I wanted to take more initiative in my school um I didn't really have the time before senior year um and student government's also pretty self-explanatory planning events fundraising student representatives etc etc so they're pretty generic like um, extracurriculars that a lot of students at Pomona do. They were captain of their sports team and they were a part of student government. And let's go to Questbridge, which you said you did and you began your junior year. So again, how did you find about find out about Questbridge? And can you tell us a little bit about the program? Because I have interviewed a couple people from Questbridge and they've oh. told me a little bit about it, but can you still give us like a little run through of how you found out about it, how it helped you in the college process? Yeah, so Questbridge, my friend connected me to it. And I still feel bad to this day because I ended up getting in and she didn't. And she was the one who like, told me about it. But um, yeah, so I had no idea what Questbridge was. I just figured like, oh, this sounds cool. Mentorship, college access opportunities. I literally did the application like the night before. And like, I remember I was just like, for the essay, I didn't know how to write an essay about like me. So I just like was ranting until like I ran out of words, then stopped mid-sentence, just submitted it because I was like tight on time. I have no idea how I got in with that essay. Oh my God. But um, yeah, so that's how I found out about it. And Questbridge is essentially, there's two programs, the College Prep Scholars Program for juniors, and there's um, the National College Match Finalist Program, which is, we'll talk about that later. But the junior year program, like they basically provided you a mentor who was a year older than you, who had already gone through the college process to help guide you like what you should be doing, et cetera, et cetera, how you should be preparing. Um, And it also unlocked like a huge network of other like first generation low income students who like knew the same struggles as me. And they were doing the same struggle, like like going to practice, school, work, like they were literally the same as me. Um, And they just like helped connect me to scholarships or like um, free test prep sites, like even homework help. So I think the the big part that I got from Questbridge was like the amount of resources, um, both from the mentors and the other people in my in my cohort. 
And I have a question about Questbridge. There, I know there is an application and I know it's it's like appealing to colleges, which we'll get to later, but I've heard it's appealing to colleges. How competitive is Questbridge? Like, do you know the acceptance rate for people who apply to get yeah, into the I juniors program? Mm-hmm. I don't know the acceptance rate off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a statistic online somewhere, but I know it is really competitive. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of like, like Questbridge is seen as like the highest recruiter um, for first generation low income students to elite colleges with their college partners. But I have a ton of friends who got rejected from Questbridge and they go to like Questbridge schools now. So it's not really like a, a good determining factor of like, high achieving first generation low income students, but it is like a really good resource. And what does the Questbridge application look like? Is it just like the common app where you fill out extracurriculars, write an essay transcript? Yeah, I can't remember like the extracurricular part, but it was similar to the common app that you had like two teacher recs. Um, you had a huge essay and like smaller essay prompts. Um, so yeah, I feel like there was a place to put my extracurriculars because every like application asks you that, but it's been like three years. So I like, can't really remember, but it's pretty similar to a college application. So with Questbridge, do they ask you like why we should accept you into our program? Um, not necessarily. They're like really, so like a lot of colleges will have really interesting prompts. Pomona has really interesting prompts, like asking their favorite way to eat a potato. So Questbridge asked me really random questions like, my favorite books or something. I really can't remember, but the main essay that serves like the personal statement was like a personal statement. It wasn't like trying to say, this is all I did in high school. You should accept me. It was like, what experience do you have and how, why should Questbridge like support you? But that wasn't the question. I think that was like the intention of providing us a space to write like a personal statement, but they didn't like directly ask like why you. Okay. And what, what advice would you give for people who are applying to Questbridge? Um, like I said before, Questbridge does not determine that you are like a high achieving, like marginalized student. Like even though Questbridge is a great opportunity, like I, I don't have a lot of advice on how to apply because the application is like very similar to college. And like, there's only so much you can do. Like you really need to have a certain score or like you, like you, if you've already mastered, like how to tell like your own story through a college app essay, which like by junior year is really like unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like you're, you're set up for success with Questbridge, but it's really like, I wouldn't say it's a lottery because all the students in Questbridge I've met are so hardworking and amazing. But like, I know so many students who didn't get into Questbridge and still go to amazing schools now. So I, my advice wouldn't be about like how to apply. It's just like, if you don't get in, don't be discouraged because it doesn't determine the outcome of your like, collegiate success at all and with Questbridge so actually a couple interviews ago I interviewed someone from Stanford and she was also a Questbridge applicant and she said that Questbridge much like the program that you were in before Questbridge provided her opportunities to fly out to colleges and like tour different colleges and then she said she was also given a mentor that walked her through it so what does what did Questbridge provide for you specifically yeah so I'm not sure so Questbridge did have like two conferences at Pomona and at Vanderbilt, but but, like they, I wasn't like really understanding like how to access it for free because a lot of the people I know who went to those conferences, they paid for their own plane tickets or transportation. Um, I know that the like Questbridge offered a few grants for those programs, but I didn't know how to find them. So maybe that's what she was talking about, the Stanford student. But yeah, I agree. So we had those opportunities. There were even like scholarship opportunities, like someone won like, a MacBook or something. And I like had no idea about it until like I heard that they won. Um, 
And then the mentor. Yeah. I mentioned that too. Yeah. So we, we got a mentor, but, um, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else that she missed. That was like the gist of the program basically. And what does the mentor do? Like if you have questions about the application, do that, do you just ask it to your mentor? Yeah. So junior year, I didn't utilize my mentor as much. He would just like, we had a group chat with like his mentees and him and he'd like drop like, oh, here's a free ACT PDF. Like, oh, here's like this cool, like scholarship opportunity coming up. Oh, here's this cool program. Like he was more like um, as a resource. And it wasn't until we applied to colleges where he really was like super helpful. Like he edited all my essays, like, um, I went to like this fly-in, he goes to Harvard. So I went to a fly-in program in Boston. So I got to like meet him and he like gave me a tour of Harvard. I think it's really just the connection part and like having someone who went through the same process as you and understands how hard it is because they have the same background. I think that's the main part of like how the mentor is so helpful. They weren't super like, um, like one-on-one because at least for me, my mentor had other mentees he was helping, but he was definitely like a really awesome resource. And let's get to actual college application now. How did you decide your college list? You did say you flew out to a few schools. What were you looking for in a college? What was like your your criteria? Did you want to be in a city, in a suburbs, rural? rural? Did you want amazing programs in politics or amazing programs in this? So what were you looking for in colleges? Yeah, so even though QuestBridge taught me a lot about like how to be a competitive college applicant, I had like no idea how to choose a college. Like I didn't know like that I would need a huge support network. I didn't know whether like the big or small school. Um, So that was definitely a huge struggle for me. And I would not recommend this, but I applied to 39 schools. Yeah, it was really bad. Like QuestBridge makes the college application process a lot more feasible because they'll like either waive or shorten like various essays or word counts. So for Pomona, I did three essays and apparently I didn't have to do that. So yeah, <laughs> but, um, so it definitely wasn't as like horrible as it sounds, but like I really wasted a lot of time applying for schools that like I never would have been happy at. Like for example, I applied to all the Ivies and Harvard was my dream school. Looking back on it now that I go to a liberal arts college that has like that's smaller than my high school, people like actually know me and my professors like will actually remember me. Like I can't imagine being in an Ivy League because I feel like I would be like first of all, I really love Pomona's tight knit environment. There are small Ivy Leagues out there, but they're like Dartmouth in the middle of nowhere. I need to be like near. So, anywho, so that's like, I think, an example of how like I did not know what I needed in a school. So I applied literally everywhere. Um, but it worked out. Oh, but yeah, it worked out. It worked out, worked out very well for you. So, okay, 39 schools. What what was Pomona? Because I know for QuestBridge, you have to just, you know, give a list, number one, number two, et cetera, et cetera. So where was Pomona on that list? Yeah, so, okay. I knew Pomona was a super hard school to get into, and I was not expecting to get in, especially because I didn't get into their fly-in program. So I did not have high hopes. I was just like, I love Pomona. Like, if I get in, that'd be awesome. I'll just apply real quick, um, reuse my essays, you know, like, it'll work out. Um, like I said before, I really wanted to go to an Ivy. I just like really wanted the prestige so bad, like the validation. Um, and with Pomona, like it's, it's funny cause I know a, not a lot, but like there are a lot of important people in my life who went to Pomona and like, I did an internship this winter and one of the staff went to Pomona and it's like really small world because it was like a random like youth voter internship. So it was like, 
I'm really realizing how awesome the Pomona alumni network is and like how familiar I was with like Pomona alumni, but I just did not know anything about it. So that's why like it wasn't super high on my list because I like didn't know how awesome it was. Um, and like, I knew I wanted to go to school in California, especially Southern California, but I just like did not do the critical thinking that that comes with like a dream school. Like I was just like, Oh, I want to live in California, but somehow I want to go to Harvard. Like, <laughs> I don't know what was missing in my process, but yeah, that's why Fiona wasn't super high on my list, but I think that's just cause I was scared of rejection and didn't want to like love it and then get rejected. Um, but when I was, when I got into Pomona and then I was waitlisted at Harvard, Harvard was my number one and Pomona was my number two. I already got in. So like, it was a pretty good number two. Um, so that's when Pomona became like on my radar. And when I was like, oh, I love Pomona. I would not complain if I went here. I have a question. So I know with QuestBridge, what they, as I said, like they make you order it number one, number two, and they just send your application out that way. And they hear a decision back. So let's say you, you got accepted into Pomona. can you choose to like say oh I want my number three application my number four my number five to go out and then I'll decide from the choices I have or do you have to go to the first school that accepts you okay that's an amazing clarifying question because I was not super explicit so I so the QuestBridge like senior year program they have a system called the match which is what you were talking about when you rank schools but you can also apply regular decision non-binding to um, Questbridge schools. So I did do the match. Um, I only ranked non-binding schools. So in my case, if I got into one of the schools, I wouldn't be forced to go there. Um, But what you were saying about whether you could pick like a school you ranked lower, you can't do that. Even if you are like not, if you, even if you do match to a non-binding school, you can't like know like that you got into a lower ranked school. They just don't tell you. They only tell you about if you got into your highest rank. So I have a friend who matched to Bowdoin College, and then he like checked his Pomona portal. He ranked Bowdoin and Pomona, but ranked Pomona lower than Bowdoin, which is why he got matched to Bowdoin. Um, he like found like a like an acceptance letter in his portal, so he got into Pomona, but he didn't know until like he's going to Bowdoin because the match only tells you what school you get into that's highest on your list. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. So, but for me, I applied regular decisions, so it didn't matter. And even if um if I did match it they would have been non-binding so I could have gotten into one of the schools I ranked and then still chose Pomona because um, I wasn't bound to that school in the match I see interesting there so you got into Pomona we didn't even do your application my god why before we even go into college okay so what was your application about so there's a personal statement which is the one I like to discuss and the supplementals we can discuss later so what did you write for your personal statement the really long one yeah (laughs) So basically I had practice writing the personal statement because um, I did the quest application. So I like knew like how to tell my story and I knew I wanted to highlight um, being low income. But part of my struggle with my quest essay was that it didn't like have, I guess, like um, it, it was trying to tell like a happy story. Like, oh, like the rose that grew out of the cement. Like I wanted to show like, even though I struggled this and this and this, I like succeeded here. And then I was getting frustrated because I was like, that's not truly my story. Like I'm still living in poverty. Like I haven't overcome my struggle. My struggle is always going to be like a part of me. So with the common app personal statement, I really um, like a lot of people told me that you can't like be too sad in your essay, if that makes sense. Like you don't want to like, 
like make your story super disappointing because they won't appease colleges, yada, yada, yada. Like it was always about what the college wanted, not what I wanted. And like, I literally had an identity crisis because for like part, like I started my application super early like in August. By like November, December, the deadlines were coming up and I was like so unhappy with my statement because I was trying to do that, like write what I thought colleges wanted. So I was like, hi, I'm poor, but like I did all of this in high school and now I want to be a politician and like change the system that wronged me. And I was like, this is like not me at all. So by the time I wrote my actual personal statement, I was like, I was writing about like really like descriptive detail like first of all like I didn't like grow up sleeping in a bed so my whole essay was based about around the fact that I didn't have a bed and the, the bed symbolized like success and then the end of the essay was like even like I'm learning that the bed doesn't have I don't I don't need a bed to be successful yada 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 super corny but colleges loved it so it worked but um that was like very long-winded I guess like the point of me saying all that was like um I was told not to be super vulnerable. I mean, I was told to be vulnerable, but I wasn't told to be like my true vulnerable story. Like people were like, water it down. Like, don't be too sad. But um, eventually I listened to myself and I was like, this is like who I am. And like, this is what I want to write about and what I want colleges to know about me. That I did not have a bed growing up that like, um, I really hated where I lived and like, it was really, really sucky. Like I did not have a great childhood, but, um, it worked out in the end that I wrote all that. And I, this is not related to me, but like, I know someone who had to write about like, um, being in the foster care system and they were the person who told me that, um, they weren't supposed to write about the foster care system, like in the really like sad melancholy light that they used because like colleges wouldn't like it that it was so sad um so that's who that's who I like tried to listen to at the beginning but I decided not to listen to them and it worked out I mean it worked out perfectly for you and I mean common app out of the way let's go to supplementals you said Pomona has some really interesting supplemental essays can you tell us about those yeah so oh my gosh even though I wasn't like it wasn't required for me to write like supplemental essays for Pomona because Questbridge waived them I still did and I remember two of them was like oh you're having like a late night conversation with someone at 1am what are you talking about and like um and I talked about and the point was like to talk about something you're really passionate about so I talked about like addressing normalized racism and then a second one was like tell us about like a hidden talent you have and I literally talked about like doing the worm at like some camp um so they're super like unique essays whereas a lot of the schools I applied to were like how would you utilize Brown's open curriculum stuff like that (laughs) but Pomona had really unique essays that I think really helped my personality shine like um show who I was beyond being a college applicant with various statistics okay so I have one question with the 39 schools you apply to how many supplementals did you write oh gosh I so oh my gosh I put all my supplementals in a single google document so it was like Okay, I don't know how many pages, but the only schools that had like a, a huge amount of supplementals was like Stanford and Columbia, but the rest of them only had like two or three questions. And a lot of them were like the same question. Um, mm-hmm. So what I did was I would like choose three things that like I wanted to be a part of on college campuses. And then I like switched it out with each school. 
that is really, really bad because you're supposed to show that like you really want to go to the school and it's unique. It's not like other schools. You can't just swap out various names of clubs and still have the same essay. Like it's supposed to be different every time. So that's how I applied to 39 schools. But that's exactly why you shouldn't do that because that makes your essays less personal and like it makes them more generic because you're just swapping out words and using the same outline when you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to make it unique every time. So that's why it was feasible because I really only wrote like 10 essays and then reworded them for each school. But I would recommend applying to only like eight to 15. And then that way you can make all of your essays way more personal and unique for each school. Well, I mean, it worked out for you. You got into Pomona. (laughs) How was your reaction when you got in? Oh my gosh, because I was not expecting to get in. And like, by the end of like that week, I had gotten like so many wait lists. And I was like, oh my God, like, they honestly just rejected me. Like, I don't want a wait list. Um, but then Pomona, I got in and I was like freaking out. I, I was trying to do like a college reaction video, but like, I was so bad at remembering to record myself. So I didn't record myself, but like, oh my gosh, I was like screaming. And like, I like texted one of like my mentors who went there and like, he called me and like, we were screaming. It was so cute. Like, cause I wasn't expecting it at all. And like, um, I didn't even think about like Pomona as an option for me. So it was like very emotional and like very rewarding. Like it felt like all my hard work paid off. So now this is the time where we go on to college experience, which yours is kind of, you know, messed up because it is freshman year, but COVID. So we can talk a little bit about Pomona and how it has been so far. So you got into Pomona, you're going to Pomona. Was it hard to leave behind? You were in Washington, Pomona's in California. Was it hard to leave behind your family, your community? Yeah. So I think you can relate as like a child of immigrants, but like, immigrant children aren't supposed to leave. They're supposed to like be the backbones of their family and like support their parents. So immigrant guilt, like leaving and going to college is definitely a huge reoccurring theme for like children of immigrants. So I felt super guilty, especially because I have a younger brother. So I was like, oh my God, I'm leaving my brother. It was really emotional. But I got a lot of advice from like Westbridge people and they were like, girl, you need to do you. Like California isn't even that far. Like I've driven from Seattle to California like two times now. It's like a two day thing, but it's like so feasible. Um, So yeah, like Plus, if something did happen where I have to go home, Pomona would support me. They would like if I asked like them to give me money to fly home, they would. Um, so, like leaving was hard, but um, it wasn't like a factor that made me think like, oh, I can't go to Pomona; it's too far. Like I was willing to go to the East Coast across the country, so I definitely accepted the fact that I was leaving. But yeah, leaving was really hard for sure. And let's go into a little bit about Pomona as a college. So tell me, Pomona as a college, it's a liberal arts. You know, we all know that. But can you give us a little bit of like a, what do they call it? Not a gist. Like an overview, like like an overview of Pomona. And tell us about Claremont. So that's where Pomona is located. Tell us about Claremont itself. Is it, you know, city, suburb, rural? What does it offer? And then Pomona College as well. Okay. So I'm going to use the University of Southern California as like, um, I guess, to help contrast Pomona. So I knew I wanted to go to California. I knew I wanted to go to Southern California. I knew I wanted to go to a top school. So the two schools that I got into that fit that were the University of Southern California and Pomona. So they're very, very different because USC is huge and it's really adamant about sports and 
parties and social life. And Pomona has a social life in the sports too, but definitely way less hype. Okay, so like you said, Pomona Liberal Arts College, it's in Claremont. Um, Pomona is very small. It's about like 1,500 to 1,600 students. Um, and USC is huge. So I was like, okay, like huge school with like a huge social scene or small liberal arts college. Um, I like am an extrovert. So I was like, oh, I want a big school. I don't want to like know everybody on campus. But the, the thing about Pomona is that Pomona is a part of a consortium, which is made out of Pomona, Scripps College, Pitzer College, Harvey Mudd College, and Claremont McKenna College. All super awesome top liberal arts schools like Pomona. What does um, that mean, though, when they're what was the word? consortium a consortium is basically just like a a group of colleges that you can take courses like at the other schools without being at that school so i know amherst college is a part of a consortium um i'm sure there's other consortiums out there too but um one is nice because like they the different colleges in the consortium basically share the same campus so like for example i can take classes at any of the other schools and like if i was in person i could literally just walk across the campuses and go to that class um so Pomona seems really small because like in itself, it has 1600 students but with the entire consortium, which basically feels like a single campus because you can take classes at the other schools and like be a part of the other schools, like social scenes and like clubs, like it's like 8,000 students in total. Still pretty small, not as big as USC, but I was like, okay, like that's enough students for me. I won't know everyone on that 8,000 student campus. Like that's fine. Um, so small school. Small school means more access to professors. Like the biggest class I've been in was a class I took at Pitzer, which was like 50 students, but there were three professors. And like, we had like um, workshops. So like you could talk to each professor in like a five to eight group cohort. So super small. And then for the rest of my classes at Pomona, like they've, the average class size is like eight students to one professor. So it's a super great opportunity to be like very um, connected to your professor and to your peers. At USC, I would be in a lecture hall with like a hundred students where the professor does not know my name and like they'll just grade my test and keep it moving. I did not want that. I wanted like a professor to hold my hand and like give me like very face-to-face advice and like hit me up after I left their class. Be like, how are you doing? Um, Professors at Pomona like take them out to lunch and like invite them over to their house like super super like tight-knit and personal so I knew I wanted that Mm -hmm. I think those are the two things I want to highlight like the small class size and like the really tight-knit community because USC does not have that to the full extent that Pomona does even though I'm I don't go to USC so I'm sure there are like opportunities to get close with your professors and like um like I guess like find your place where like you have a community there, but at Pomona, I found it super easy to do those things because Pomona is so small. Mm-hmm. And with Pomona itself, so many colleges, let's say you have like a university and within the university, majors are grouped together into colleges. Like there is there a college for engineering, college for arts and sciences and such. I think those are two very common ones. In Pomona College, since the student body is super small, do they still do that? Like group you into different colleges? No, they don't, which is awesome. So at Pomona, you can't even declare your major until your sophomore year. So for me, I'm like very sure I want to go into politics. However, I'm not allowed to declare until next year, which is awesome because that gives me the opportunity to take random classes that I've never taken before. So I can explore my my interests and be like, oh, maybe I don't want politics. Maybe I'll like go into this different subject. Um, so yeah, we don't have like 
restricted colleges for each subject. Um, as a liberal arts college, they want you to take different classes. So no matter how invested you are in a certain subject, they make it a requirement for you to take classes in different um, in different topics. So, so yeah, that's like one of the huge perks of Pomona and liberal arts colleges in general. You have a lot more room to explore. So if you have like an identity crisis and want to change, you totally can. And with this consortium, is there like a limit to how many classes you can have in the other liberal arts colleges? Do you need to have, I don't know, 80% of your classes at least done at Pomona and the other 20 you can do other like in the other four colleges? So how does it work out? Is there a limit? Yeah, so initially I thought that you had to take at least three classes at Pomona and then your fourth one could be at the other schools. You can do that every semester. But then another student was telling me that they they took like more than than one class at a different school. So I'm not sure if that's like a different case on their part, but at least to my understanding, you have to take at least three classes at Pomona to be like a full-time student there. And then for your fourth class or fifth, some people take like five or six classes. We're supposed to take four. Um, they take those at other schools. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm pretty sure there is the limit because that makes sense. And that's what I've heard, but um, I've been hearing different things. It's really hard to get information when I'm like online, but mm-hmm. I think you have to take um, at least three classes at Pomona. And then can you tell us about Claremont itself? Okay, I'm not familiar with that. I'm, I'm from the East Coast. I don't know anything about the West Coast. So can you tell us about Claremont? Is it, you know, big? Is it, has, does it, have, is it a city-like setting? Is it a suburb? What is What does it look like and what does it offer? Yeah, I lived outside of Claremont last semester and I'm still pretty close by. I'm like an hour away now. So um, I've been to Claremont and Claremont is super cute. It's like, it's like a like it's a suburb yeah it's a small suburb there's like um it's pretty residential it's gorgeous and um the main place that people go to is the village the Claremont village it's like um a bunch of various shops and places to eat and it's super cute um but for me I grew up in Seattle I'm a city kid like Claremont's really cute but like I don't want to spend every weekend at the same village with the same stores I've already been to so Claremont is like an hour-ish drive from LA so a lot of students can like take the train and like go to LA whenever they want. Um, a lot of students make the joke that they go to like, they get into Pomona and they're excited about going to LA every weekend and then they don't because they're so busy with school and stuff. But um, it's there if you want. And like a lot of students will go to like the beach. Um, so even though Claremont's like very small, very cute, like quaint, there's still like access to like LA, which is like giant and like the epitome of a city. So it's like nice to have a balance between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get you. I, I don't live in the city, but I like the city much more than the suburbs. <laughs> you run out of things to do, you know? In the, exactly. It's the same thing over and over. Like, it gets old. Same restaurant, same activity. <laughs> it gets so boring. So boring. Exactly. exactly. Okay, so do you want to do you want to tell us a little bit about, I know it's really different for you, but you want to tell us a little bit about your experience coming into Pomona? Yeah, so when I got into Pomona, like we were into quarantine, so... We were worried that we wouldn't get on campus, but we were like, there's no way we can like, that we're, we're not going to get on campus. Like, how did that happen? And then it did. But um, Mona, I think since it's so small, it has more breadth to like access its students, even like during a remote like school environment. So like I've been able to already be a part of so many different communities on campus, even though I'm not on campus. And like everyone at the consortium is okay not everyone obviously it's a huge generalization but the majority of the people I've met at the consortium are super outgoing super excited to get to know one another like when I 
when I got into like all my schools, Pomona was the only one that was like setting up group chats, like because it's so small. So the group chat's only like 50 people versus like like other schools, like you can only make a group chat for like a certain amount of people because it's so big. Um, and then already people were like setting up Zoom calls and stuff where we can meet each other. And it was like not organized by the school, it was just organized by the students because the students wanted to get to know one another and like they took that initiative on their own. Um so when I committed, it just like escalated where we were doing Zoom calls like every like weekend and it was like a thing throughout the summer. Um, so that's not related to like the school because students were the ones who like took that initiative on their own. But it's like, still part of the college experience exactly, you're having. It's still like the the culture is like that. So I bet like on campus, it's even more outgoing, like even more like connected and like it's just really awesome to see that everyone has that desire, especially like when Zoom fatigue is so real. Um, but that really showed me how like the Pomona community was able to, I, this is so corny, but like reach past like physical and like mm-hmm. be able to connect online and have it still be as genuine and like awesome as it would be in person. Yeah. And so how did it go? Did Were you able to like choose which classes you wanted to do? Pomona runs on a semester system, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so were you able to like choose which classes you wanted to do? And then, you know, were you super excited for your first day of school? How did that go? Yeah, so, um, uh, so basically Pomona, they'll have students, they'll like open up your registration period in slots. So like some students will get like the first slot and they can like have first dibs on classes because classes fill up. And then some students get like the worst slots later in the in the registration period. So a lot of the classes they already want are full. That happened to me my first semester. I Yeah, and I like did not understand like how to drop a class. Like I didn't understand like what was going on. So I literally just like tried to find classes I was interested in and then just went into those. Um, it worked out like I liked all the classes, so it was fine. But then second semester, I got a way better slot. So I was able to pick classes that actually corresponded to my major. Because, like, I wanted to take intro to politics classes last semester, but they were all filled up by the time I was eligible to register. Um, so in that sense, it's, like, you can't exactly like, pick everything you want because everyone has, like, um, a different slot when they when they can register. And then upperclassmen have seniority, so they have first dibs on classes. But, like, once you get up higher in the food chain, like you'll be able to have uh, more say in classes you want to take and such, especially when you major, when you, I, your I have seen the intensity of registering for classes. Like, I don't know if this is everybody, but I remember I was watching this one YouTuber and she goes to a no- university of Notre Dame and what she would do, she would write down the code for each class she wanted to take. And at oh, what time? Yeah. And then she was like typing and she timed it or something. And she registered for all her classes under a minute is it that intense for like registering for classes? She like copy and pasted the code and just like quickly registered. Yeah, I don't I feel like since Notre Dame is way bigger than Pomona, it's less intense here. But um and also I'm not sure if Notre Dame has like designated slots. Like it sounds like they just open and then everybody I think, has, I think that's what it may be. Yeah. That sounds so hectic. Oh my god. Yeah, we have that's why we have designated slots. So like sure I got like a pretty crappy slot last semester, but then this semester I got like first dibs. So mm-hmm. To, like switch it off so students can like at least one semester in the year have like um like a like the first chance to pick classes so I definitely think it's not as intense as that I haven't heard of anyone having to like prepare beforehand mm-hmm. like uh, I know like students will like pick their classes before or, like pick like which ones they might want to take I didn't do that which was on me first semester but um no I don't think it's as intense as that <laughs> so let's 
I want to ask you one more question before we wrap up here. So who would you recommend Pomona? Oh, actually, no, before even, before even that. So one thing about this consortium thing you were talking about, are the campuses, of course, they're going to be separate. Like you can't really have overlapping campuses, but are they really right next to each other? Like, you know, Pomona's here, Harvey Mudd's there, Claremont McKenna's there. Is it just like, I don't know, in like a circle or like a rectangle shape? Yeah, it's literally like a huge, it's like, uh, it's just like a lopsided rectangle, but all the campuses are like literally like the same. So like if you didn't go to each, like, like for example, I got to walk through campus like or like I think last month and I like didn't even recognize when I had crossed campuses because it's literally like the same campus, which is why like this, the different schools are so tight knit with one another because first of all, they're like all small schools. So you need to find new people. So you need to go to other schools, but also like they're literally right next to each other. Um, and you literally like, it's so common to take classes at other schools or like also like Pomona and Pitzer are the same sports team. And then Clarence McKenna, Harvey Mudd and Scripps are the same sports team. So there's just so much like um, connectivity between each school in so many different ways. So, so yeah, it is super like tight knit and it is like the same exact campus. And then is Pomona college known for any specific programs? Harvey Mudd, for example, is a school for engineering, you know, STEM is Pomona college known for any specific program. Um, I guess I would say like, like, like you said with Harvey Mudd, also Claremont McKenna College is really well known for its like economics and government department. At least like for me, I don't think Pomona is super like accredited for a certain subject because the point of Pomona is that you can explore so many different subjects. Like people will like, like, um, like they'll be pre-med, but they'll major in like art history or something. And I obviously can do that at any school because medical schools don't need you to major in something. But Pomona really stresses like they want you to be like doing two disciplines at once or even more because they want you to have that like very diverse um, perspective with different subjects applied. Um, it's interdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. So maybe Pomona has pretty well known for something. I don't really know, but like definitely not to the same degree as Harvey Mudd, like you said, or Clark McKenna with their government econ classes. I think all of our departments are very, very strong. And I'm not sure if there's one we're particularly well known for. And that's a kind of a good transition to our next topic. Who would you recommend Pomona College for? Like what, for a student, what do you think are the requirements that meet, like what requirements do Pomona College meet for a student? What kind of student would you recommend Pomona College for? Right. Okay. So I'll start off with saying that a lot of people dismiss Pomona because it's not super well known. A lot of people will tell them where I go, they'll have no idea where it is. Or like some people even think Pomona is a community college. So there is a lack of name recognition that a lot of people, including myself, are very hesitant to. Um, Like I said before, I was like very Ivy oriented. So I was concerned that people would not know about Pomona or like or not not people because obviously Pomona is not as well known because it's small but like I was concerned with employers and people in academia not recognizing Pomona that's not the case at all Pomona is a super awesome school it's like the top liberal arts school in the nation like everyone knows what it is in like the employer world the academia like, side of it exactly yeah I don't want to say like elitist but it is kind of elitist mm-hmm. um oh god I like forgot your- oh the person that I would recommend okay so Pomona students get into Ivies. Like I have a ton of friends who got into the Ivies, but they were like, no, I don't want to go to an Ivy league because I don't want, um, like I want the Titan environment. Like I want to be connected to a city. Um, I want to be in SoCal. Um, 
I just like Pomona has resources that like Brown, Dartmouth, like Cornell can't offer me. Um, so I would recommend a student who is like very driven. They don't have to have like the highest SAT score or the highest GPA, but they need to be very dedicated to a certain subject or in Pomona's case, multiple subjects because Pomona really wants their students to be um, to have multiple, I guess, like passions and different things. Um, Pomona students really like have to be curious about different subjects. They need to have that drive to want to learn more versus like some Harvard student who knows they want to go to econ so they can make it to Wall Street. Pomona doesn't want that. Pomona wants a student who wants to explore and take advantage of the liberal arts curriculum and the consortium to be able to take classes at other schools. Um, I would say that Pomona students are pretty similar in that they're like all very like driven to uh, not just the subject that they're inclined towards, but driven to learn more, which is kind of what I was already saying. So I'm kind of repeating myself, but um, yeah, I, I would say like the liberal arts college like vibe is pretty similar at other top liberal arts colleges, especially because the East coast where you're from liberal arts colleges like Amherst, Swarthmore, Bowdoin, like, they have the same like tight knit like classes and like environment as Pomona, but Pomona has a consortium that's literally on the same campus and it's like sunny SoCal. So I would say it's very, very important. It is dude. Oh my gosh. Something the East coast can never give just (laughs) nice, nice weather. (laughs) I love the self-awareness. So many people try to argue that the East coast is better, but West coast, best coast. So Hopefully that that was like very vague because I want to highlight like colleges aren't looking for a certain type of applicant. Like the point of being holistic is that they're wanting to build a student body that can support one another. So they want students who are very, very different. But I think that those common themes, students who are passionate about multiple things and students who want to utilize the liberal arts curriculum and they want a different environment than like an Ivy League environment while they're still sub they're still up to par with those students um, would fit in at Pomona. So Linda, we're coming to an end here. And there's one thing I do with everybody, which is advice. So two pieces of advice, one for high schoolers. This can be literally about anything college app related, you know, specific to GPA, SAT, or just general life advice for uh, high schoolers. And then second for college students, I know you haven't been through that much of college and it's very different for you, but with what you have experienced so far, what advice would you give for college students who are like you, maybe they're freshmen or they're just coming in. So advice would you give? And since you are first generation low income, maybe you can do something for the that group of students as well. Yeah. Okay. So for high schoolers, I would, a lot of like students who are like class of 2021, who are getting like their college decisions now, they've been coming to me saying like, oh, I didn't get into this school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really stressed. And I want to emphasize that like it all works out. Like, I was very, very, very set on Harvard. And when I got waitlisted, I assumed that, oh, like it'll work out. Like I didn't get rejected. And then I got rejected later in the summer and I was like pretty devastated. Pomona is the best fit for me. And I'm really happy that I did get rejected from Harvard because I feel like if I got in, I would have chosen it and I would have been unhappy. So it will work out. And even if you end up going to a school that you're not super, that you don't see yourself going to and it doesn't end up working for you, you can always transfer. So college decisions are not final. You can always like dictate your own future and your own path, like no matter where the application process takes you. For college students, I would definitely like, 
I, especially because like we're remote, it's really up to you to take initiative and find your community at smaller schools. It's easier to do that because everyone is like reaching out to you and like ready to hold your hand and guide you. But if you go to a bigger institution, it's way easier to get lost in the crowd. And um, it's really intimidating to like go find your own resources, especially like since the high school to college transition is very new and like super duper jarring for a lot of students. So I definitely want to emphasize to take your own initiative to find your community in order to make the most of your time at that institution and ensure that you're supported and you're not alone. Because, oh my gosh, college student mental health is such a problem. And if you like can't find your network and your support system, like you will drown and you will like struggle. So it's really important to, to establish that. For first generation low income students, I just like send my full like support because it is so, so hard. And like the system really is not cut out for us. And so many first generation low income students like have such a rough time at their schools because like everyone in their class literally is like filthy rich and like all their parents work on Wall Street. And like it's such a jarring divide. But um, it's important to like overcome or not overcome because it's like something we have to deal with throughout our entire lives but it's important to like recognize that you're not alone and there are other first generation looking students who've done it before you and who are doing it alongside you and no matter how hard it gets you're always going to have like that affinity group to fall back on and to like the Questbridge network the Questbridge network has supported me throughout like my first year over zoom even though like my peers don't go to the same institution as me but like we all are united by that that same struggle and that same identity um so we're always here to like um i guess support one another and uplift one another and i guess validate that that each of us are not alone in that struggle being a first generation low-income student at a predominantly white institution or probably upper class institution we're all in the same boat and and i guess like that kind of helps us keep going to know that we're not alone well, i well, hope that made sense. That made, each of yeah, that, that made total sense. That was great advice there. So thank you very much for coming. You're in California. So have a good rest of your day. You too. It's so nice to meet you and let me know if you need anything else. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. That's it for my episode with Linda. I hope you enjoyed and I hope you subscribe. Also make sure to check out me on Instagram at underscore a college kid underscore. My blog is going to undergo a new name in a couple of weeks, and that new name is going to be collegerealitycheck.com, so make sure to check out that site as well. But other than that, I hope to see you next week.